All right, well, let's read the story. Matthew 27, beginning at verse 54. I'm going to take it down to verse 10 of chapter 28. I am reading from the New King James. If you want to select that on your app, you can. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. And many women who followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, were there looking on from afar, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. Now when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock, and he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. Mary, and Mag- Mary Magdalene was there, and the other Mary sitting opposite the tomb. In other words, they knew where the tomb was. Verse 62, on the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, Sir... We remember while he was still alive how that deceiver said, After three days I will rise. Therefore command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, He is risen from the dead. So the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard? Go your way. Make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Sunday, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. It's kind of like a challenge in my mind to the the guards that are there. Okay, I just broke your seal. What are you going to do now? And they're just, just sitting there on that stone. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come and see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he's going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell the disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee and there they will see me. What an amazing morning that would have been to have seen the risen Lord. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the central doctrine and teaching and truth of the Christian faith. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, As he had said three days later, then as Paul declares in 1 Corinthians 15, we have a vain faith. We are to be pitied more than any other people. 
And you may think, why more than any other people? Because what it means is we are believing and trusting in a guy who said he would rise from the dead but is still in the tomb to give us the hope of everlasting life. That doesn't make sense at all. It makes zero sense to hope in a dead guy who said he would rise from the dead to give you eternal life. And if this is what we're doing, then this is, we're to be pitied more than others. And here's the other thing. You cannot say, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, that the Christian faith is a good religion. You want to know why? Because this good religion has as its leader a false prophet who said, follow me, even be willing to lay down your life for me. If he's not true, if he's not the prophet of God, then how tragic it is that a false prophet is calling people to die and millions upon millions have died for faith in a resurrected Lord if he's not risen from the dead. What a terrible religion. What a terrible deceit. But here's the truth. Jesus rose from the dead and he is alive and he will return and we're going to be with him. And as it says, we will live happily ever after. That's what happens at the end. I think all fairy tales in one way or another Having that statement is ultimately fulfilled completely and beautifully in what we have in Jesus. But it's no fairy tale. It's the truth. It's the reality. And it's ours if you have faith in Jesus. We see here in this that they, they are told to rejoice. They hear the angel and they have great joy as they leave. And then they run into Jesus and Jesus says rejoice. There are eight times that Jesus says between Matthew and Acts, be of good cheer for one reason or another. That is the, that, that's the temperament of the body of Christ. That is to be the, the temperament of the church, you as a Christian, one who is of good cheer. And the greatest reason you have to be of good cheer, and it's what we're going to read about here in just a moment as we go through uh, uh, 1 Peter 3, is that Jesus is alive because if he's alive, then you have the hope of everlasting life. And a life during life. I want to look at this account here in 1 Peter chapter 1. And I want you to keep this in mind. Peter is writing, but he was the guy that when Jesus said, one of you is going to betray you. And he says, or betray me. He steps forward and says, hey, even though everybody else would deny you, I would never do that. Now, is that just bravado and arrogance? I don't think so. I think that was really his heart, and it's really what he wanted to do. What was Peter's first act when they came to arrest? He drew out the sword, started swinging. Wasn't, he was a fisherman. He, that's why he only got an ear and not the whole head. All right? I mean, he, he was ready to go to the death. He meant it. But then we see, as we read, he began to follow from afar, and then he warmed himself at the camp fire of the enemy and the servant girl and others began to come to him he's like I don't even know who this guy and he denies him three times just as Jesus said and when the rooster crowed we read that the eyes of the Lord met the eyes of Peter and Jesus was already being beaten and battered what what is Peter feeling on Friday night what is Peter feeling on Saturday morning Early Sunday morning, what's going through his mind? I mean, there's a few things. I said I would never do that, and I did that. What kind of friend am I? I, can, I if it's me, I am beating myself up big time. Does anybody else do that unhealthy thing of beating your... Can you imagine how Peter would have felt? 
you're no friend. After all that he's done for you, you should have been more humble. I mean, but Peter had confessed that Jesus was the Messiah. Peter had seen 5,000 fed from just a, you know, a lunchbox. Saw 4,000 fed, same way. He saw Jairus' daughter raised from the dead. He saw Jesus transfigured and saw his glory. And he saw Elijah and Moses with him. He saw Jesus walk on water. He walked on water. I mean, he had so many experiences. The disciples were sent out two by two. And they came back giving spiritual high fives. Man, the demons are cast out when we use the name of Jesus. People are healed. This is amazing. It's happening. The kingdom is coming. He couldn't just dismiss Jesus and say, oh, well, you know, I always wondered. No, he didn't wonder. He knew something was there. And yet, he watched his Savior be crucified and put in the tomb, but he himself hid. Now, he writes here in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9, about incredible joy. As a matter of fact, he calls it inexpressible joy. The joy that is associated with being saved is so deep and high and wide that you can't even figure out how to fully express it. It's inexpressible joy. What a contrast he has looking back on the resurrection than he did on that Friday evening and Saturday evening. So we get kind of an insider's view about what should we think about the resurrection. So let's read together. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, I mean, blessed, right? It's a praise. Who, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for who? For you. Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. There are six points I want to draw out of this passage. And there are six aspects of the Christian's hope that we have. So we talk about this living hope. Point number one is we have a hope that's worth getting excited about. I mean, you hear the praise, you hear the joy. And the very first word that he speaks to this, to this congregation after giving the introduction is blessed. That's an invitation to come and worship the Lord. And I, this, I know you guys came ready to worship the Lord this morning. With the resurrection in your heart and in your mind, you came in and you were just ready to sing. I want to sing to the Lord. I want to give some praise to the Lord. And that's what happens when we fully understand and embrace the resurrection. Because we, we know that he is exactly who he said he is. Therefore, we're going to receive exactly what he promised. And so it's, it's a faith. It's a, 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 an experience with Jesus that causes us to worship. He saved us. 
He redeemed us. He's coming back for us. Eternal life is worth getting excited about. And, and I, here's the thing. We've had a lot that's gone on in the last 16, 18 months. And, of course, there's the, all the racial tension that is in, the country's gone through. There's the heavy political tension that's gone on. There's been COVID. There's been all kinds of issues that have gone on. And this is what I want to say. I want to solve every one of those problems. Get your eyes on the resurrection. Get your eyes on the fact that you've got a hope that's alive. And we, if we get caught up in this, I mean, we can get down. We can get so discouraged. And we'll get to that in just a moment about the various trials. But I just want to say 